Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Winfrey. I'm your host for this show. I'm flying solo tonight. Jeff, it's, it's a busy time of year, just generally. It is tax season here in the United States, and that's just a giant pain in the butt. Uh, Jeff, unable to join us this week. Hopefully, we'll be able to have him back on next week, so you don't have to just suffer through me talking to myself. Tonight on the agenda, we have UFC on ESPN Plus 5 slash UFC Fight Night 147. was Saturday... I mean, it started before noon for me. It was Saturday, you know, early into the the early afternoon. Uh, They were back in England, London specifically for this event, and... Now we'll go over all of it. Um, Some decent stuff, some... Not so decent stuff. Uh, just, you know, again, some good, some bad. We'll get into the specifics of it. Uh, thank heavens for the main event. The main event saved that whole event from where I sat. The, the last fight just kind of saved everything. Uh, we'll also be previewing Fight Night 184 from next Saturday. The UFC will be in Tennessee. Uh, Nashville? Yes, Nashville. And, uh, this card is... Yeah, this isn't a good card. Um, (laughs) there's a few sleeper fights if you go down the whole list of it, so we'll go down all of it and, you know, do the the preview thing. Also, of course, the news of the week. Uh, some news, some Conor McGregor shenanigans, some kind of sad stuff related to Tony Ferguson that we'll be getting into, but... You guys kind of know the format by now, so let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, sorry. Last night, well, yesterday morning, evening, afternoon, afternoon into early evening, jeez. UFC was back in London for UFC on ESPN Plus 5. I don't know why they need so many people, but all right. Um, Main event. Jorge Masvidal versus Darren Till. Uh, again, thanks. I'm very grateful for this fight in particular because the top two fights were okay. Um, they really... If you take out the top two fights, this was not a very interesting night. It was just a lot of blah. A lot of blah. Um, but in your main event, Darren Till, positioned as the you know the home country guy. I mean, he's from Liverpool, not London, but... Man, the the British fans have really gravitated towards him. Um, and it's not hard to—I mean, it's not really hard to see why he's got a lot of—you know—he's got the personality down. He's—I mean—he's a very genuine. When I say a genuine Brit, I don't mean that he's—you know—others fe- have feigned their nationality or anything, but. He wears a lot of the fact, uh, you know, between his his accent and just kind of the way he is. He's he's very much one of the people, and he's had some good fights and some good performances. And I mean, the crowd going singing along with his entrance theme, because he comes out to "Sweet Caroline" by Neil Diamond, which it has some kind of like British soccer significance. I think there's something culturally over there that it is attached to that's just not here in the states. 
but the the whole crowd sings with it when he cut when it's played when he came out to it. Uh, it was it, it's a great moment. But Jorge Masvidal done uh, shook things up when he knocked him out cold in the second round. Oh god, this knockout. I mean, to start things off, Masvidal tries like a flying sidekick to the knee, but he misses a little bit, hits Till in the groin, Till recovers relatively quickly, drops Masvidal with a straight left, Masvidal fights his way back up to his feet. Uh, the first round goes to Till, based not just on the knockdown, but that's kind of what, that was kind of the deciding thing. Because after Masvidal gets back up, he finds some success. He's, uh, his because Till fights Southpaw, Masvidal mostly orthodox. Uh, his right body kick did a lot of work. I don't know that he ever hurt Till to the body, but he slowed him down a bit. Uh, a lot of Masvidal's kind of read seemed to be fake, kind of fake or faint with the hands, get Till to drop his guard even lower, because Till carries his hands relatively low, a lot down by his waist get him to reach out to kind of parry to commit his hands as he kind of shifts back, but Till doesn't really continue to move. He's It's a lot of just kind of slide a little bit and then plant, either looking to counter or he just feels he's out of range. So Masvidal was trying to bait that, close distance and crack him with a counter punch, or with a, rather than a counter punch, just hit him with offense. And he str- again, he had some success with that in the first round. His left hook was kind of... It, it wasn't quite where he wanted it. It was landing, but it wasn't landing flush, it was, again, but he was finding it, and then just had to kind of refine what he was doing into the second round, and that's the punch that actually ended things for him. Uh, but Till had some success, again, in the first round, he was able to back Mosfell into the fence rather consistently. I think the big knock on Till at the moment is he doesn't throw a lot of combinations, He's very rarely going to throw three strikes. Mostly it's just one and done. It's he reaches out and kind of paws with his right, and then he throws the left. Occasionally he'll throw the straight, the left straight and then the left to the body, but it's a lot of one or two and done, and he doesn't really have a jab to speak of, and that's a puzzling thing considering his frame. But once Mosville kind of got a read on Till's offense, he slipped a lot of the, like, Till would come in and throw the left, and Masvidal would slip and angle on him. Uh, just at, Again, apart from that opening flurry, just as the fight wore on, Masvidal kind of kept finding himself, kind of kept getting a read on Till, and then again in the second. It ended at 3.05 of the second. I had Masvidal winning that whole round up to that point. He was, again, he, either he was pressing forward, he was landing the body kick, he was landing pretty good punches, and then finally just kind of baited Till into the way he wanted him to move, switched southpaw to get a little bit more power into his left hook, cracked him on the jaw with it, and then hit him like three times before he fell over. <laughs> I get, sorry, before he hit the ground as he was falling. I mean, he was done after that first punch. Uh, he was stiff as a board when he hit the ground. Uh, I mean, he was down on the canvas for a while. He was barely getting up to his stool when they made the official announcement of Masvidal as the winner. Uh, this was a this was a gnarly knockout. Uh, probably the high it's the highest profile win of uh, Masvidal's career. I'm not sure that it's bigger than him starching Cerrone the way he did. 
because that really that was that was a really important one for him because he'd, he'd beaten Jake Ellenberger before that, but there was the weirdness when Ellenberger kind of got stuck in the cage. It might be bigger just because it was a main event slot. It was against a guy that a lot of people had a lot of hopes for as far as being the future of the division. And it broke a two-fight losing streak. Uh, now, whether you think he could have won the... Whether you think you know he should have won the Damian Maya fight or not, and you can score that fight for him, and I don't think you're wrong. He pretty clearly never got anything going in the Stephen Thompson fight. And you know, this was this was a much needed win for him. I mean, Masvidal doesn't have a lot of finishes. I mean, if you look dating, I mean, geez, since yeah, he does not have a lot of finishes in the UFC. If we start with his UFC, he choked out Michael Chiesa, knocked out Cesar Fajaya, had the weird stoppage against Ellenberger, stopped Cerrone, and now stopped Till. So he's got four stoppages. In since 2013, even if we include his Strike Force run, I don't think he finished a fight in Strike Force. Nah, he didn't. Jeez. Yeah, again, I I like Mosfidal, but not much of a finisher in the UFC. Uh, that seems to be cha- again. That seems to be changing a bit lately. Uh, this was again. This was a much, much needed win for him. Big win. This puts him probably in the. I won't say. I wouldn't say in the title picture necessarily, because again, you just broke a two-fight losing streak. And again, the Maya fight. Okay, competitive and Damian Maya is really, really good. But the lackluster Thompson fight. But again, just a really much needed win. High profile. Got him a lot of money. Uh, he won both. This was your fight of the night, and he got knockout of the night. Frankly, this is the knockout of the year, uh, as we are recording this. So, again, we're March 17th of 2019. Knockout of the year for 2019 so far, from where I sit. Uh, again, hopefully that will change, just because I, I love good knockouts. So, hopefully we get better ones in the future, but darn good knockout. Uh, I don't know, again, there was some rumor that you were going to get Ben Askren against the winner of this fight. I think if Darren Till had won, that's what they would have done. Pretty clearly, uh, but I don't know that that's what they're going to do with Jorge, especially since he and Leon Edwards had that that kind of scuffle backstage. Uh, They might go that way. Um... And in fairness, I'll move on to Leon Edwards in a second. I'm okay with that fight. I'd be okay with... I'm okay with Askren Masvidal. I'm okay with Edwards Masvidal. I'm okay with Askren Edwards, and then Masvidal fights somebody else. Uh, let me pull up the ra- the official rankings here for whatever value those have. And it's not a lot, but it is some. Because Masvidal, you know, he's, he and Edwards are both going to move up. I mean, Masvidal and Lawler would be pretty nuts, just for the fun of it. Um, Ponzinibbio's in the mix. So, I mean, there's, there's you know, things you can do here, but... Jeez, he's going to shoot up those. Darren Till was still number three, which was 
odd, to say the least. Not where I would have had him after the loss to Tyron Woodley. But uh, again, solid win for Jorge, and I look for. I like watching Masvidal's fights in a lot of respects because it's for. On the one hand, it's very frustrating because he's clearly a talented fighter, but a lot of times he never finds the right gear. He's never able to put things together. He does just enough to lose a decision, <laughs> uh, which can be frustrating. But when he's able to kind of put his stuff together. Masvidal's a lot of fun to watch. He's a very talented fighter. So I'm curious to see what he will wind up doing next. Um, Darren Till needs the full rehab treatment at this point. This is two in a row. This is two stoppages in a row. And, I mean, okay, you lose to Tyron Woodley, fair play. Like, Tyron's one of the best welterweights ever. You get rushed into the title shot, and look what he and he was rushed into it, let's be very clear about this. There just wasn't a better... There might have been better options, but the pieces hadn't really quite aligned yet, and the UFC made the decision they made, and he got rushed into it, got beaten by a clearly superior fighter. They give him a showcase bout in his, you know, not his hometown, because he'd had that against Thompson, was literally in Liverpool, but in London... Hometown crowd against you know, Masvidal's not a. I mean, he's his frame is more suited to lightweight. It's just not an easy cut, and apparently at this point in his career, he'd just rather fight at welterweight because he doesn't care. When I, when I say he doesn't care, he doesn't care to make the big weight cut, and he doesn't care about the size discrepancy he's going to be at at welterweight. And if and if that's the case, fair play. I mean, it's not like he's not been successful at welterweight. He's been very successful. Uh, but Till, I think you need to, if you want to try and rebuild this guy, you've got to he, take him out of the, you can't really put him in there against anyone in the top ten. You'd have to put him in there against someone like Neil Magny, um, Rocco Martin, someone like that, and just try to kind of rehab him back because... At this point, the hype train is derailed. Uh, I mean, the Darren Till hype train has been derailed so badly, in 20 years we're going to get the conclusion to a trilogy of fighters who only became fighters because this hype train derailed this badly. Now that I have my bad M. Night Shyamalan joke out of the way. Uh, this is, again, just not a good thing for Till, but... You know, if I were him, I might try my hand at middleweight. At least one fight. Uh, because he, I mean, he's he missed weight the one time. He made weight here. He made weight for his title fight. But that's pretty clearly a difficult cut for him. And, I mean, maybe middleweight is just a bridge too far as far as that goes. You know, he's just, there's something about it that just, he's not at his best there. And, I mean, that happens, but you've lost twice now, pretty brutally. I mean, you didn't just lose to Tyron Woodley. You had nothing for Tyron Woodley. And that that's an ugly spot to be in. And then you get knocked out like this. So, if I mean, he might try his hand at middleweight. I'd be Again, just... If he sticks around at welterweight, he's not fighting... I don't think he's going to be fighting top guys. 
for uh, sorry, top five guys for a little bit. I mean, Masvidal was number eleven, I think. So, if Till's around, it's you know some going to be fighting somewhere between you know eleven, like ten and fifteen, or sorry, like eleven to fifteen, or outside the top fifteen, just kind of trying to get his feet back under him because uh, not a, he's not in a good spot right now. This was a rough loss. Uh, in your curl main event, I mentioned a little bit earlier, Leon Edwards defeated Gunnar Nelson via split decision. I don't remember which judge scored the fight for Gunnar Nelson, but that individual should never be allowed to judge combat sports again. It's absolutely asinine to give Gunnar either of the first two rounds. Leon Edwards is just a well-schooled fighter. He looks, he does, he clearly does a lot of tape study and finds tendencies and uh, habits in his opponent that he can then try to exploit. I mean, if you watch the Donald Cerrone fight, he has basically everything Donald tries to do already scouted and knows how to counter it. And he did a lot of the same here. He kind of knew what Gunner was going to do, even on the ground. The first round, he gets taken down, but gets up very, very quickly. Uh, just knows which elbow strikes to use, how to break a clinch, how to keep things at distance. Uh, just, again, a very well-schooled fighter. And then in the third round, Gunner finally gets his takedown very late in the round, moves to mount almost immediately, but has like 20 seconds. So Edwards just kind of wraps up, his, you know, just gets the the double underhook like bear hug. And controls his posture for, you know, the last 20 seconds. Uh, Leon Edwards is now on, I think, a seven-fight winning streak. It's seven or eight. Yeah, seven. Uh, he should be fighting someone in the top five. He's He's absolutely on that kind of a run. Again, he and uh, Masvidal had a, had a backstage altercation, and of all the guys you want to talk trash to, there's a few that you just, you shouldn't do it, because you know they're not opposed to fighting you, you know, backstage at an event. Jorge Masvidal is one of those guys. Like, you just, if you want to insult, if you want to talk some trash in the build-up to a fight... You know, I mean, by all means, you're free to say whatever you want, and I'm not, I don't condone Jorge attacking him uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it's, again, it's, I mean, they were in England, though, and England doesn't actually have freedom of speech, so. They, okay, I don't condone Masvidal doing it, but there are certain fighters that you just, you have to know in your head. If I talk enough trash and I kind of, you know, step up to them in anything approaching an aggressive manner, they're not going to hesitate to throw hands anywhere. Masvidal's one of those guys. And that's just kind of the the way it unfolded. Um, again, if they do Masvidal Edwards, I'm okay with it. Uh, but Edwards is... He has earned a a big fight for his next bout against seven in a row at welterweight. That's impressive, and I think he's I think he's due. I mean, the last guy he lost to was 
Kamaru Usman, who's now your, you know, champion. Uh, give him a big fight next. Give him, you know, a top-ranked, uh, top-ranked opponent. Uh, as for Gunner, I don't know, man. Uh, he never seems to have really kind of put everything together. He's, you know, a gifted, gifted grappler. I mean, the way he finds Mount is one of the most absurd things I've seen. Because he finds Mount from a lot of places. And once he gets there, he's very good about keeping it. But he's just... I don't know, it's some, some... Part of it's his striking style. He just doesn't really have the gas for... with the way he moves around for a prolonged combat. I mean, if you look at the vast majority of his losses... Uh, most of his wins come within the first two rounds. He doesn't have a lot of third-round wins. He does have some. Again, uh, the Jorge Santiago decision again, went three rounds. But I think I think that's it. Every other one of his wins comes between... is either in round one or round two. I think the way he kind of moves around is by the time he gets to round three, there's not as much spring in his step. Uh, he's a lot more flat on his feet. I mean, if you watch the Rick Story fight, you can very clearly see it. Uh, Story just d- perpetually denies him any kind of actual clinch position, digs to the body, resets, and Gunner just can't really maintain the way he fights in the first over the over the you know entirety of the fight. And I think Leon Edwards kind of took advantage of that here, but, I mean, again, Nelson's a good fighter, but there's things, I don't know, there's things he just kind of needs to smooth out. I don't think he transitions all that smoothly from striking to grappling. When he's on the mat, he's one of the few guys who knows how to appropriately set up his submission and his, and his passes with strikes. He's very good about that. I mean, again, the uh, the Alex Oliveira fight being a really good example. He elbows the crap out of Alex Oliveira just to set up the rear naked choke. And you know, more, I mean, it, it's something that more people need to be doing. But there's there's just something that does that isn't quite clicking for him at this point. And I, I mean, he's gonna beat a lot of guys. Again, he's very good. But I think at this point, unless something changes, we might have seen his ceiling. And, again, those two fights were pretty good, and they were very necessary after the others' fights on this card. Um, Dominic Reyes defeated Vulcan Uzdemir via split decision. Uh, 29-28 for either guy is perfectly acceptable. Scoring it live, I was 30-27 Reyes. I do not stand by that. I think I was very wrong about the first round. I think that probably should have gone to Vulcan. Uh, But round two could go either way, and Reyes pretty clearly had the third. So once again, we have a three-round fight where one round decides it, and that one round could legitimately be scored for either guy. Uh, Reyes was lucky to get the win here. Uh, Reyes remains unbeaten, but not a great performance. I mean, he was in a spot where, given the state of the division, he could have, with an emphatic win, and that doesn't mean a finish, but with an emphatic win, he could have been in the title picture. I mean, he still is kind of by default because the division sucks. Uh, 
I mean, he's probably get. You know, you could do him and Anthony Smith. I think because you know, Smith's coming off of the failed title bid. No, Smith's fighting. Sorry, Smith's fighting Gustafson. Tiago Santos probably gets your next title shot. Uh, you're probably looking at him versus someone like Jan Blahovich or Corey Anderson. Didn't he beat Corey Anderson? I know he beat Ovin St. Prue, but I can't remember if he beat Corey Anderson. Nope. Just uh, just Ovin St. Prue, not Corey Anderson yet. Okay, so yeah, do him and Corey. He still needs a little seasoning, I think. A little maturing as a fighter, because there's a lot of potential there, but man, he never seemed to get out of second gear in this fight. Um, as for Uzdemir, that's three in a row, which sucks, even at light heavyweight. Um, I think he's going to wind up fighting someone like Shogun, uh, Johnny Walker, uh, Misha Sirkinov, somebody like that. He's going to fight someone in the, you know, the someone ranked, you know, like 12 through 15. Uh, is what I think is in his immediate future. Assuming, I mean, light heavyweight's not really in a strong enough spot where the UFC can cut fighters... <laughs> who are ranked at the moment. I mean, th that hasn't stopped them in the past, but I'd be a little bit surprised if they did cut him at this point. Uh, Nathaniel Wood at Bantamweight defeated Jose Quinones via rear naked choke in the second round. Uh, Wood's a really solid prospect working his way towards contendership at this point. I mean, he's 3-0 and in the UFC. He's on a seven-fight winning streak? Eight? Yeah, he's on an eight-fight overall winning streak. Uh, he's finished all three of his opponents in the UFC, even. Jeez. Yeah, he's in, during his current winning streak, he has finished all of his opposition. Uh, this was a pretty decent just kind of step... Uh, not really a step up, more kind of a quasi-lateral move. Uh, I think it's time you give him someone... Maybe not in the top 15, but top 15 adjacent. Um, okay, you have Ricky Simone at number 15. Uh, Alejandro Perez just lost. Yeah, one of those two, I think. Or did Perez win? No, Pedro Munoz won. Yeah, I think Perez lost his last fight. Someone in that space, I think, is probably what's next for him, and just test the waters a little bit as outside of the kind of the rank and file, again, or at least someone adjacent to the top fifteen, if not again someone like in that thirteen to fifteen range. Um, Claudio Silva defeated Danny Roberts via armbar in the third round. Odd, odd finish to this fight. Um, Claudio Silva locks up a pretty good armbar. I mean, this thing was pretty tight. Uh, he's able to hit kind of the Jujigatami roll. Uh, Roberts tries to slam free as he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't slam free. He slams as something like right after the slam, um, the referee calls for a stop to the fight, uh, due to a verbal submission. Now, for the record, just for those of you unfamiliar with this potentially, a verbal submission does not is not limited to you saying tap. Any sort of exclamation of pain while you're in a 
I mean, just even generally, can be construed as a verbal submission by the referee, and they can stop the fight. So if you're in an armbar and you cry out in pain, the referee can take that, and in fact should in many respects, take that as a verbal submission and stop the fight. Now, I couldn't find a decent replay with good audio of this. Uh, so I have to kind of err on the side of the ref. Danny Roberts was not happy about this. Um, I can understand because he, the way it played out, again, he kind of slams, he's still in the armbar. I think the ref kind of calls for it and, or his, he's able to finally turn his elbow a little bit and just kind of actually slip out of the hold. And he was winning that round. Um, pretty big. He uh, Silva was pretty well gassed at that point, uh, and Danny Roberts was coming on pretty strong, but if he did, you know, kind of cry out while in the armbar, that's a verbal submission. I mean, it just is. That's in the rules. Um, good first two rounds for Claudio. I think I gave him a 10-8 in the first round, and then he just... Uh, he's a very, very good grappler, but He's got cardio issues. I mean, his layoff might have had something to do with it. Um, he was about a year between fights. Uh, his last one prior to this was a submission of Nordin Taleb in May of 18. Uh, and he had a four-year layoff between that. Jeez. Uh, when he beat Leon Edwards. one of The, the only other Leon Ed- loss on Leon Edwards' record in the UFC, actually. That was November of 14, and then he was out until May of 18. Uh, I mean, I like Silva. He's on a 13-fight overall winning streak. He's 4-0 and in the UFC. He's finished his last two wins. He's a, a, a you know underappreciated fighter. But that lack of activity is a big problem. And, I mean, maybe that's why kind of his cardio suffered is he's just not able to really stay healthy, but... It is something to consider. Because uh, otherwise, I mean, otherwise he should be due, uh, you know, a relatively significant step up in competition. I mean, to the point where I don't think him versus, like, Gunner would be that out of line. Um, next up, Jack Marshman, missed weight, and apparently went kind of AWOL, because he's a paratrooper uh, for the British Army. Uh, to make this fight, he defeats John Phillips via split decision. Um, 229-28 for him, 129-28 for Phillips. I scored it for Phillips. Uh, I didn't think that Marshman really did enough in the third round to kind of seal that. Um, not a terribly intriguing fight. Arnold Allen defeated J- uh, Jordan Rinaldi via unanimous decision, 30-26, 30-27, 29-28. I'm not sure which round was a 10-8. Um, Arnold Allen is kind of becoming a bit of a poster boy for, well, how do I say this? This fight, I don't want to, I don't want to cast too much of this at him generally, but this fight was very much a Faraz Sahabi style fight, where you don't do much, you avoid a lot of your opponent's offense, you score a little bit here and there, then you throw a big flurry at the end of the round, and just rinse and repeat until you win the fight. Uh, not a very engaging performance, and I I like Arnold Allen. I think he's one of the he's an sorry he's he's a very interesting prospect at featherweight at this point. 
Um, he's five and zero in the UFC now. Yeah. Um, again, this was an important win. Um, I think it's time. I, I don't. I, again, I don't think he should be fighting anyone in the top fifteen necessarily, but because I don't think he's ready for that just yet. But someone in again, kind of in that established elite level space, I think is probably what where his immediate future should lie. Um, see if anyone springs to mind. Anyone re- doesn't someone read? There was some other guy very recently, I think, at featherweight who had a pretty good fight. Cause now I don't think he's ready for you know a Jeremy Stevens type even. But uh, boy, featherweight has been quiet lately. Uh, you know, you could do him versus, um, uh, I mean, Feel. I think Feely's ranked. If Feely isn't, then uh, maybe Feely's not the worst kind of person for him to fight next. No, Feely's not ranked. Yeah, give him Andre Feely. That's a reasonable escalation in opposition, and Feely's a, and Feely's a proven veteran, so... I, again, I think it's. I think I also don't think that's an. Again, that's an unreasonable escalation for him at this point. Because five and zero in the UFC over kind of the you know the rank and file slash lower end of the division. Let's let's get him a step up here. Uh, Mark Jacquesi defeated Joe Duffy via unanimous decision, thirty twenty seven across the board. Uh, Jacquesi really needed this. He was on a three fight losing streak. Um, he. Landed some really good calf kicks that affected Duffy. Uh, nothing flat, not as flashy in this outing, but had a couple of good, you know, stepping elbow strikes. Again, good leg kicks. Just a very much uh, kind of you know controlled performance from a guy who knew he could not afford to lose this fight, and more importantly, didn't fight not to lose. He fought to win, but he also didn't fight. You know, recklessly, and I can appreciate the balance that that takes, and your the you know the type of you know balance you have to find in an individual fight to kind of get there. So, good stuff from him. Uh, uh, rough spot for Duffy, man, who was he was uh, he'd been out for a while. Yeah, a little over a year. He last fought November of seventeen when he was stopped by James Vick. Uh, just I don't know. I mean, he'll probably get another shot, but. Not a good spot to be in. Um, Saperbek Safarov defeated Nikolai Negoromeno via unanimous decision, 29-26, 29-26, 29-27. Um, this fight sucked. Safarov, I haven't seen enough of his outside the UFC fights to really call him a dirty fighter, but man, did he fight dirty in this one. A number of cage grabs, at least one late blow after the ref called for a break. Uh, it's not a good look. And his opponent should not be in the UFC. Um, I know this was kind of a late-notice thing. Um, Nigger Romano was replacing Gokensaki. 
but I imagine even on sh- I have to imagine even on short notice you could have got somebody better than this guy. I mean, he didn't have anything. Um, I'm gonna trust uh, Grabaka Hitman on Twitter who mentioned that this guy's been fighting basically Romanian cab drivers uh, to get to like I think he was six and zero coming into this, either six and zero or eight and zero. But just all he he'd been fighting like guys out of the you know guys out of the stands basically was the description used and I'll trust his experience with this guy over mine because uh, he shouldn't be in the UFC. Safarov. I mean, you could cut him, and the division doesn't lose anything of value. No, just not a good fight. Dan Ige defeated Danny Henry via rear naked choke at 1 minute 17 seconds of the first round. Dan Ige's a little firecracker, man. <laughs> um, he's only lost, he lost in his UFC debut to Julio Arce, but since then, uh, knocked out Mike Santiago, beat Jordan Griffin, submits Danny Henry. Uh, he's coming along. Uh, he's again. He he's a he's a little ball of energy. So someone to keep an eye on. Molly McCann defeated Priscilla Cashwaya via unanimous decision, twenty nine twenty eight across the boards. This kind of sucked. Priscilla Cashwaya is not a good fighter. I mean, if all you knew of her was her UFC, the fact that she was eight zero coming into the UFC and then got obliterated by Valentina Shevchenko. You might just think that, you know, Shevchenko was a bridge too far for her. Um, no. I believe all of her previous fights are on YouTube. She's not good. Uh, Molly McCann just beat her up for the first two rounds. Then in the third, got hit with this really awkward right hook to the eye that just immediately started her left eye swelling. Um, credit to Molly for fighting through that because that thing, that got, that got ugly in a hurry. Um, they stopped it at one point to get the doctor to check on it. I thought the doctor was going to stop the fight. And I wouldn't have complained if he did. It was, the swelling was that bad. Um, but apparently the doctor, apparently she could still see out of that eye enough to let the doctor allow the fight to continue, so. Molly McCann gets her first UFC win. Priscilla Cashwaya just isn't good. And kicking everything off, Mike Grundy defeated Nad Naramani via TKO in the second round. Not a bad little fight here. Uh, this was Grundy's UFC debut. He's a, apparently a bit of a talented wrestler and just caught Naramani with some pretty... De- I mean, they had some back and forth throughout this. Naramani's a bit of a brawler. But he landed some pretty decent sh- shots in the second round. Grundy just was able to find his footing, landed a pretty decent... I think it was a right... Just kind of behind the ear on the temple, and then Naramani's balance went out, and he just never let him recover. So, again, not the worst night of fights in the world, but... Man, this this whole event... Um, this is kind of... I don't know, maybe this was just me. And I'll freely admit, this might just be me. And if it is, then... Fair play, it's just me. This felt like a badly paced event. This felt like an FS1 card rather than an ESPN Plus card. Uh, I'm not sure. Again, again, that might just be me, but this one felt like a step back in terms of pacing. Now, some of that might be that, you know, I mean, we lost a fight the day of the event because we always do at this point. Um, Ian Heinish versus... 
Tom Breeze was called off when Breeze had some kind of health issue. That's the second time I think Breeze has had a fight called off like the day of the event due to some kind of uh, injury like this. Or health issue, rather. Yeah, he was supposed to fight Bamboche back in 17. He's supposed to fight Oluwale Bamboche at a Fight Night 107. And then, day of the event, he was deemed not fit to compete. I don't know why. Uh, and, again, that's I, I, I don't need to know the details of your personal medical history. If you just are deemed unfit, unfit to compete, then fine. Um, there's some is- indications that he had some kind of anxiety attack. I don't know, but... Whatever health reasons caused him to pull out. This is the second day of pullout that this guy's had. And uh, that's not a good thing. So maybe that contributed to it, but this just felt like an event that drug on, especially through the middle portions. Just, I don't know. I don't know. Again, could be me, but... Not a well-paced event, all things considered. Uh, thanks to everyone who read and followed along, be that live or after the fact. I mean, you follow along after the... Uh, live, rather, but... Thank you to everyone who read. Uh, always appreciative that you guys choose to read my material, because you can find this stuff dozens, if not hundreds, of dis- different places. And I deeply, deeply appreciate that you continue to support what I do. So thank you very much. Right. Next up, UFC on ESPN plus six. Bring up the old website here. Okay. Uh, main event. Again, the UFC is back in Tennessee. They've run Tennessee a couple of times. Uh, it's not a regular stop for them, but this isn't their debut in the state either. Uh, main event. I I do not care for this main event. Um, Steven Thompson will fight Anthony Pettis. This is Pettis's welterweight debut. Um, this seems like a bit of a desperate ploy from Pettis to kind of revive his career because... I don't know about everyone who's listening to this, but I remember when Pettis was champion... I mean, not even just when he was champion, but like in some of the lead-up to it, when the UFC brought uh, merged with the WEC, the big line from Pettis was, I can go down to 145, I don't really cut weight to make lightweight. And 155 is my walk-around weight, which isn't true. I mean, Frankie Edgar literally walks around at 155. Anthony Pettis doesn't. I, lightweight's not a difficult cut for Anthony Pettis, but it's not his walk-around weight. But there was a lot of talk about how he could, you know, go down to featherweight and be a, a dual champion, or Aldo could come up, and Aldo would have been the... I maintain, if the UFC had actually made that fight, Aldo as featherweight champion versus Pettis as lightweight champion for the lightweight title, Aldo's your first ever simultaneous UFC champion. I think he would have beat Pettis. I, I absolutely stand by that. Especially at the time. And, I mean... Pettis tried his hand at featherweight. Uh, he went one and one. He beat Charles Oliveira and then missed weight and got 
obliterated by Max Holloway. He went back up to lightweight, and he's kind of been trading wins and losses since. I mean, he's he beat Jim Miller, got beat by Poirier, and, you know, fair play. Poirier is an absolute stud who's fighting for the interim title, for whatever value that has. Uh, beat Michael Chiesa, then got... I mean, he didn't do badly against Tony Ferguson, but that fight went about as you expected it to. You know, Pettis would have moments, but Tony's pressure and violence and would just kind of win out over time. So now he's moving up to welterweight, and he's going to fight former two-time title challenger Stephen Thompson. Uh, Thompson coming off of that loss to Darren Till. Um, he, had to have his, he had to have knee surgery after that because... Uh, he took some sidekicks to the knee. Man, Stephen Thompson should be using that low-line sidekick to the knee. Given his stance and his just kind of karate background, he should just be using it. Um, I mean, there's an argument that Thompson should have beaten Darren Till in their fight. I think I scored it for Thompson live. Uh, the vast majority of media outlets scored it for him. But he's, you know, coming back from that. Um, I just, I'm struggling to really get into this fight. I mean, maybe Pettis is going to be able to deal with the size difference, but I have a hard time seeing it, especially against a, you know, a guy as savvy on the feet as Stephen Thompson. I just think this is too much for Pettis to really deal with. I think Thompson wins a, probably a decision. I mean, it's five rounds, but. I mean, both guys have gone five rounds before. Uh, Thompson, at this point, three different times. I just I don't know what Pettis will be able to really get going against Thompson. I might be wrong, but I, I like Thompson there. We have a heavyweight fight, because God hates me. Uh, Curtis Blades will fight Justin Willis. This actually isn't a bad fight. Um, Justin Willis... Won eight fights in a row, including four in the UFC. Coming off that win over Mark Hunt. Uh, whereas Blades is coming off of that setback to uh, Ngannou. That's the only guy he's ever lost to is Francis Ngannou. Um, this will be a pretty big test for Blades because Mark, Mark Hunt kind of had one foot out the door. While Mark Hunt had a very good first round of that fight, he just kind of couldn't sustain it. Um, this is probably the best wrestler that Willis has fought ever. And, I mean, purely on the feet, Willis is probably going to be okay. He's got a, he's got fast hands, especially for a guy his size. But, and he does pretty good work in combination. I mean, he's, he really kind of smoothed out his jab because he fights Southpaw and for a while just his lead hand was a, was atrocious. But against Mark Hunt, he he really had his jab working, and maybe that's because Hunt's susceptible to it. But uh, he has very very fast hands. Yeah, this will be the first real kind of wrestler he's fought in the UFC. Uh, I'm gonna lean towards Blades, but just because I, I think he's gonna be able to get Willis down and then just kind of smash him from there. But uh, as far as just I hope it just. 
you know, doesn't suck because it's heavyweight and it so easily could. I'm at lightweight. John McDessie gets a gimme. Uh, he's fighting Jesus Pinedo. Uh, McDessie... I mean, he's won two in a row over Abel Trujillo and Ross Pearson. Why is he getting a gimme? Or is Pinedo just someone I should know and don't? Because that that happens to me a fair bit with guys making their you with guys in this position. Like, if I were a you know a better MMA fan, I would pay more attention to various regional promotions, kind of thing. And then I might have an idea of who this guy is, but. Have a look here. He's Peruvian. Yeah, that's the Peru flag. Sixteen, four, and one. He went on the contender series. He's won in the UFC. He beat Devin Powell. Why do I not remember this guy? How long ago was that? It wasn't even that long ago. That was November of last year. I need to see the that event. <laughs> See if I can find that. So it's Fight Night 140. So that was Magni and Ponzinibbio? Yep, yep, okay, okay. He debuted way on the, like, Fight Pass prelims. I don't know why I don't remember that, man. I mean, I covered it. I covered that entire event. <laughs> I should remember that, but I don't. Um, okay, let me... I'm going to reframe a bit of what I just said there. Uh, okay, not as much of a gimme. This is a pretty big step up for Pinedo, though. Uh, I... I don't know. I don't know why I should pick against John McDessie other than John McDessie is wildly inconsistent. But... Uh, McDessie's also pretty easily the best guy Pinedo's fought, looking over his record. So, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with, I'll go with McDessie here. I don't, I need to reframe. I don't think it's a gimme, but I think it's pretty heavily favored towards him. Uh, we continue our march towards the demise of flyweight as Juicy A. Formiga fights Dievson Figueredo. This makes me sad. I love the fight. Be clear about that. This is a great fight. Uh, Dievson Figueredo has been a just someone I really... When he debuted in the UFC and just kind of blew through Marco Beltran and stopped him between... I mean, he stopped between rounds. Uh, I mean, he's undefeated. He's 15-0. and 0. I mean, how can you not love a guy whose nickname is Deus de Guerra, which is God of War in Portuguese? Uh, I mean, he stopped Marco Beltran. He went to a split decision with Jared Brooks that he abs- that he absolutely should have won. And, I mean, he did win, and he should have. Uh, Brooks did a lot of takedowns that led to nothing. Uh, he stopped Joseph Morales. He stopped John Moraga. I mean, Figueiredo is the type of flyweight fighter I love to watch, which is, say, the type of fighter I love to watch. But, I mean, whoever look, whoever loses this fight is going to be cut from the UFC. The UFC is just cutting flyweights who lose, and then if you win, you get to move up to bantamweight. 
Uh, Formiga's on a three-fight winning streak. I'm picking. I'm picking Figueroa here. Just it's probably stupid on my part. I mean, Formiga's a really consistent and solid fighter, but eh, screw it. I'll go with the fun fighter. I'll go with Figueroa. Uh, at featherweight, Luis Pena will fight Steven Peterson. Pena. Uh, oh, this is Violent Bob Ross. Okay. Who's coming off of his first loss. He lost to Mike Trezano. That shouldn't have been a split decision. That was a pretty clearly Trezano win. Um, as opposed to Steven Peterson. Who has a god-awful chest tattoo. Oh, I know this guy. I remember. He had that terrible, terrible fight with Brandon Davis. One of the worst fights. This is a bit of a softer touch for Pena. Um, he should win this fight, but uh, that's a fight you can probably skip. Um, I'll go. I, I'll go with Pena though. But yeah, we'll see. Macy Barber will fight JJ Aldrich at women's flyweight. JJ Aldrich. I confuse her all the time with. Um, Aspen Lad, Aspen Lad's at bantamweight, and Aspen Lad is really good. J.J. Aldrich is kind of meat and potatoes. Uh, I mean, Aldrich is on a three-fight winning streak. But man, none of those were all that impressive. As opposed to Barber, who is undefeated. Stopped Hannah Cyphers. That was very recently, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't know. Probably Aldridge just continues to circle 1-2, circle 1-2 her way to a decision. Um, featherweight, we have Bryce Mitchell and Bobby Moffitt. Uh, Moffat is 14-3. and three. Has fought once in the UFC and beat Chaz Skelly. Oh, that was that weird one. Yeah, yeah, they called that a Darce Choke win, but uh, there was some pretty serious controversy about whether or not that was the appropriate call from the ref there. And Bryce Mitchell is undefeated. Oh, I think he's fought in the UFC before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on um, uh, some crappy tough season. He won his UFC debut. Okay. Um, I don't know about that one. I do not know about that one. Go with Mitchell. Why not? Uh, Frankie Signs versus Marlon Vera. This one's kind of a sleeper fight, but Signs uh, is on a two-fight winning streak. Uh, man, I remember when he fought Uriah Faber. He won three fights in the UFC, had a good win over Yuri Alcantara. 
beat Sir Juan Kakai, and then he fought Uriah Faber, and he lost, but he gave Faber problems. Then he just kind of fell off after that. He got stopped by Eddie Wineland. He lost to Augusto Mendez, and he's bounced back since then. But And Marlon Vera's on a two-fight winning streak. You know, I'll go with Vera there, actually. I think Vera's... Vera's been putting some stuff together recently. Uh, women's flyweight Alexis Davis will fight Jennifer Maya. Uh, Davis. And credit to Davis. She's been around forever. She's coming off that loss to Chukagian. Uh, where it's Jennifer Maya. Is this Joe Stevenson's wife? Or is this a different Jennifer Maya? No, that was no. That's no. Maya Stevenson is Joe Stevenson's wife. Excuse me. Jennifer Maya is the yeah. She's the former Invicta champion. Coming off of a loss to Liz Carmouche, um, probably Davis, but Maya might surprise a few people. Um, at women's strawweight, Random Marcos is fighting Angela Hill. Kind of surprised Marcos is still hanging around at Strawweight. I thought with Flyweight open, she'd try her hand there. Oh, excuse me. This, you know, this is Strawweight. Yeah. Marcos coming off the draw with Marina Rodriguez, which I seem to recall I agreed with. Um, whereas Angela Hill lost to Courtney Casey. Um, probably Angela Hill, but if Angela Hill does her usual thing where she has a good first round and then never adjusts and just keeps trying to do the same thing. She could lose this fight. At bantamweight, Ryan McDonald will fight Chris Gutierrez. Uh, let's see. That might have been moved, actually. No, no, no. There it is. Sorry, I was... That was odd. Uh, Ryan McDonald making his UFC debut. He's undefeated. And Gutierrez has at least one fight in the UFC, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he got submitted by Harney Barcelos. Uh, I don't know. Eh, McDonald. Basically flipped a coin there. And at flyweight, again, continuing to the end of the division... Eric Shelton. Is this Showtime? Yeah, it's Showtime. Okay. Coming off of a win over Joseph Morales, we'll fight Jordan Espinosa. Espinosa is 13-5. and five. I believe this is his UFC debut. Yeah, he won on the Contender Series, but this is his UFC debut. He's on a four-fight winning streak overall. I'll go with Shelton, but... Uh, should be a decent little, could be a decent little flyweight scrap there. And again, that will be Saturday. I will have live coverage of that in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania. So next Saturday, if you don't have anything better to do, stop by and say hello. I always appreciate the support and the company. Sometimes I need it. All right, on to the news. Uh Let's start with some happy news before we get into the weirdness. Uh, Michael Bisbing, former UFC middleweight champion, was announced as the first inductee 
into the class of 2019 for the UFC's Hall of Fame. Um, you know, well-deserved. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Michael Bisping's, but... I mean, this is a very... He's a very, very important figure to the history of MMA. He was the first real successful British fighter in the UFC. He kind of opened the gates for MMA to be as popular and in you know the UK as it is right now. Certainly in England. I don't know how much he spread to you know Scotland or Wales, but at a minimum, England. A uh, guy whose career is the the you know the very definition of just dogged perseverance is Michael Bisbing. I mean, this is a guy who seemed to stumble at every major cross-section of his career. He'd win a few fights, he'd get a big opportunity to potentially fight for the title in a title eliminator, and then he'd fall short. Either because he just ran into someone better than him, or his... or At least in one case, I think the judges got it wrong. Um, his fight with Chael Sonnen, I thought he won. But, I mean... Wigan would win a fair amount, and then, but at those key junctures, always seemed to lose. But he always came back. You know, he'd lose to Anderson Silva, he'd lose to Dan Henderson, he'd lose to Luke Rockhold or Vitor Belfort. He'd come back, he'd win a few more fights, he just kept going. And there's a lot to be said for that kind of perseverance. And on short notice, gets a title shot, wins the title. The fact that I utterly loathe how they handled his title reign is... It's only partially his fault. Um, Because, I mean, again, for those of you who remember, he... Big upset. uh, Surprising. Defeats Luke Rockhold, knocks him out in the first round. Then instead of fighting a top contender, they book a rematch with Dan Henderson... Because the UFC seemed to think it would sell, and Michael Bisping really wanted to get that win back. Um, Dan Henderson almost wins. (laughs) Bisping ultimately retains the title in a decision. Uh, Then, rather than fight the interim champion... There might have been a brief injury to Whitaker here that kind of opened the door for this. But rather than fight a deserving contender, someone like Yoel Romero or Robert Whitaker or Jacare... Uh, they book him versus George St. Pierre in the, in, the, in the super fight, and George wins, and then vacates the... I mean, I don't blame Bisbing for the fact that the middleweight division suffered a massive detour after he won the belt, because that's not all on him. And, I mean, again, his title win is a definitely a feel-good moment for anyone who followed his career, and I... Re- one of the first seasons of The Ultimate Fighter I watched was season three, which was uh, Shamrock versus Tito as the coaches. And that's the season he won. So I was relatively familiar. I've watched that guy's UFC career, basically. And, you know, him, seeing him go in the Hall of Fame is well-deserved. He be- Again, he became champion. He defended the title. My dislike of the circumstances aside, he did it. He has, he's either the most or tied for most just wins in UFC history. He opened up an entire market. This is a guy who absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. 
And when they made that announcement and he was sitting cage side, he pretty clearly got choked up by it. So, uh, solid first announcement. Um, he's going into the modern wing, which still leaves uh, the pioneer wing and the contributor wing, I think. And uh, whatever individual fight they want to put in. But, uh, yeah, Bisbing's, Bisbing absolutely deserved this. And it was... I think the best joke I saw about this came from Jack Slack, who, when they announced it, said he just beat Anderson Silva again because Bisping got into the Hall of Fame before Anderson Silva did, <laughs> despite Anderson being, you know, a much better fighter with a much better legacy. But <laughs> uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with Jack's uh, kind of running gags about uh, you know, Bisping and Anderson Silva, they're, they're pretty funny. So, much deserved. Uh, credit to Bisbang. He had a great, great career in a lot of respects. So, I know issues with him going into the Hall of Fame. A lot of kudos. Very well deserved. All right, let's get into the sad news now. Um, let's start with the mediocre stuff. Conor McGregor was arrested again. Uh, over the weekend in Miami for... Oh, jeez. They worded it so weirdly. A couple of different things. One of them was, like, uh, strong-arm robbery and destruction of property. And what happened was, coming out of apparently a very famous nightclub in Miami, he took a fan's... He took somebody's cell phone and just smashed it on the ground and stomped on it a few times. Um... Now, I don't know if he was a little bit drunk. I mean, he was coming out of a nightclub at like 3 or 4 in the morning. I assume some level of inebriation. I could be wrong. But if you're not drinking, I don't know what you're doing in a nightclub at 3 in the morning. I mean, I don't drink. That's part of the reason I don't go to nightclubs at all. I don't see the point. And maybe... And, I mean... Look, Connor has a stupid level of celebrity, generally speaking. He's not quite too... And I don't know the like the best example of this, but... Like, there was a period of time when... It was like Brad Pitt, for example. Literally walking down the street is surrounded by paparazzi. Now, technology has changed a little bit, and everyone with a cell phone is now technically a paparazzo. But, but Connors has reached a level of celebrity that anyone who sees him on the street is liable to pull out a cell phone and take a video or a picture. And I don't know if this fan was just kind of being a bit obnoxious. I don't know if he, if Connor was being irrational, some combination of both. But Connor was arrested. I mean, he'll plead down. He'll pay a fine. He'll do some community service. It'll be nothing. But it's worth noting, this is the second and one of the things they charged him... One of the things they arrested him for was technically a felony. This is his second felony arrest in the United States. Now, he doesn't live here, to the best of my knowledge. But if Immigrations and Customs wanted to get dicey with him, two felony arrests from, you know... A, and again, I, I don't believe Connor's, uh, you know, 
massive threat to society or anything, but if you're a foreign national, and Connor is Irish, rather famously so, and you know, elements of immigration wanted to get chippy about the fact that you've got two felony arrests on your record, they could deny him entry into the country. Just, I, I don't think that's what'll happen, but it's something to be aware of. <laughs> if he keeps, if this keeps happening, he's not a citizen of the United States. We, he can be just barred entry. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think that'll happen, but yeah, it's just Connor being a giant pain in the butt. I mean, th- again, this is nothing. This will wind up being nothing. It's not really a thing, but it's Connor, and we wind up always talking a little bit about what happens when Connor makes headlines, because he does. Um, even sadder news, Tony Ferguson, UFC lightweight contender, uh, having some kind of a mild mental breakdown kind of thing. Um, his wife filed a restraining order against him, and while it, while some of what they say is construed as domestic violence, he's never, he's not been accused of being violent with his wife or his children. Um, apparently the sum total of this is he threw holy, like splashed holy water on his wife, which is a little crazy. Um, he is, ale- again, he is alleged, let me be very clear about this, to have like taken apart part of their fireplace. He thought someone put a microchip in his leg to track his movements. Um, he took... Apparently he and his wife were at a thing, and he took their their child... I, I, I don't remember if it's a boy or a girl off the top of my head, but he took their child home and then changed all the locks on the, on the doors at the house. Um... I don't know if this is CTE. This doesn't really feel like it. CTE usually manifests more violently. And Tony's always been just kind of a weird guy. I mean, I've said here on this show many times that he's crazy and I love him for it, but I also don't have to live with him. Uh, he, he's always been a little bit out there. I mean, he does a lot of training with Eddie Bravo, and Eddie Bravo's a little bit out there. I don't mean to imply that Eddie Bravo is... As, cra- as doing anything Im- improper, but if you listen, if you're aware of any of Eddie's stances on various conspiracy theories, he's a little out there. And, again, so Tony's always been a little bit of a weird guy. I So I don't know if this is head trauma, I don't know if this is some other kind of mental health issue, some, you know, some kind of schizo- some kind of paranoid schizophrenia or some derivation thereof. I don't know if this is drug abuse, uh, because, you know, paranoia like this can come about from use of methamphetamines. I'd, I'd be surprised if it was illicit drug use, but I've been surprised about stuff like that before. Uh, Tony seems to be getting help. That's that's the indi- that's what all indications have been, that, he, that the UFC is kind of helping him find the appropriate treatments. Um, I I hope he gets it. I mean, mental health is something that's very near and dear to me in a lot of respects. I was seriously depressed for over a decade. 
I still struggle with it sometimes. Mine's also exacerbated by being like borderline Asperger's syndrome, if not just flat out undiagnosed Asperger's. I I have family members who have either drug abuse related mental health issues or just straight up mental health issues and I I hope he gets the help that he needs. I hope it's not serious. Again, I hope it's not, you know, head trauma related. And I hope he's able to get his life in order. I mean, more so than fighting. I mean, I love watching Tony Ferguson fight. He's one of my favorites. I love the violence. I love the chaos. But you're only going to fight for, at most, say, 15 years of your life. You're going to have to live for the rest of it. And I hope he's able to do that. And if that means it's healthier for him not to fight anymore, that'll suck for me as a fan, but it's much better for him and it's much better for his family. And that's what he needs to do. So I hope he gets whatever sorted that he needs to get sorted. And I again, selfishly, I hope he comes back to fighting because I love watching him fight. But it's more important that he get healthy than I get to enjoy watching him fight. So... Hopefully he's able to get the help that he needs, and that it's. And I hope that it's not a uh, anything you know major. Uh, let's have another look about what other news came out. Been a quiet news week. Um, apparently the UFC, uh, since the UFC switched their ownership around following the WME sale, uh, they had, because for a while the UFC had, uh, there was a minority stake in the UFC that was owned by some, I forget the company, but it was basically a, a Saudi Arabian, uh, prince, shake, something along those lines. Apparently the UFC has bought them out. Uh, returned whatever investment they made and just doesn't want to be associate doesn't want to have the baggage associated with being financially tied to various parties in Saudi Arabia and it's their company it's their call uh, if that's what they want to do fair play uh, I don't blame them necessarily uh, all things considered there's some there's some bad press that goes along with that lately and I mean, I don't want to speak too badly about Saudi Arabia in the general sense, but there's some shady stuff that goes on over there. <laughs> I mean, it's the Middle East. Like, all of it is shady in that respect. I, I don't mean to cast horrible aspersions on an entire region of the world. But it's a... It's a region of the world that has a lot of violence and conflict. And that's... Uh, I'm not being racist about that or anything. It's just fact. And a lot of it's still ongoing. So if if that's what they want to do, again, it's their company, it's their decision, fair play. Uh, we get any major fights made over the last little bit? Let me check my list of upcoming events. Because we're doing another series of announcements for events in the near future, because right now we only have announced out to July 6th. Um, Barboza versus Gagey is finalized. That whole card is set at this point. 
Oh, I hope that main event holds together. Um, UFC 236 is still kind of taking shape. Again, we do have Holloway versus Poirier as your main event, Gaslam Adesanya. Um, oh, I'm not sure if we touched on this last week. But the UFC, ha they had to make a change to uh, the UFC on ESPN 2, 3? I think this is their second full-on event on UFC, uh, excuse me, on ESPN. Uh, they, that was going to be headlined by UL Romero versus uh, Paulo Costa. Uh, that's not on anymore. Costa is out. Not really sure why. Um, there's been some... Apparently, uh, Yoel Romero said that he'd been told it was a drug test issue on Costa's part. Costa's team denied this categorically. Uh, Romero walked that back. Uh... Costa seems to be hinting that he's got another fight lined up that they just want that the UFC wanted just to go in a different direction. Instead, fighting Yoel Romero will now be Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Uh, these two last fought at UFC 194. Romero won via split decision. Somewhat controversially, I seem to recall. Um, I'm down. I'm down for the rematch. I like both those guys. I enjoyed their first fight. That is your and that. That's a good main event. I mean, Jacare is... There's an argument that he won the Gastelum fight. Uh, he beat Derek Brunson before that. He's coming off that knockout win over Chris Weidman. And Romero's coming off of that loss to... I mean, he's only lost in the UFC to Robert freaking Whitaker. I mean, it's... <laughs> And he's coming off that fight that he probably should have won on the scorecards. Or at least gone to a draw and was... I mean, Whitaker-Romero 2 is my, is the fight of the year for 2018. I don't care how many stupid UFC fans argue for Pettis versus Ferguson. It. I mean, that was just so much... There was so much just like recency bias in that. More than anything else. Pettis versus Ferguson, while a great fight in terms of its insanity... It just happened more recently. It was on a bigger card. But Whitaker-Romero's a better fight. <laughs> so I'm, I'm completely okay with the rematch. Uh, I'm leaning towards Romero again, but... I mean, he and Jacare are out there doing it for the 40-year-olds at this point. And, you know, God bless them. Uh, that card also has Alex Oliveira versus Li Jing Leong in a battle to see who can cheat the most. Because Alex Oliveira is a little bit of a wild, if not dirty, fighter. And Li Jing Liang is similarly a bit of a dirty fighter on occasion. Um, we also have Greg Hardy's second fight. He will fight Dmitry Smolyakov. Uh, Smolyakov went 0-2 in the UFC and got cut. He won outside and now is back. Boy, they're giving Greg Hardy just every opportunity in the world, aren't they, after that DQ to Alan Crowder. God, that was hilarious. Uh, Glover Teixeira and Iwan Kutilaba got rescheduled for that event, so hopefully that holds together. Andre Arlovsky's on that card. 
I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, because technically Jan Verilovsky didn't lose his last fight. They changed it to a no contest after Harris failed a drug test. Wait a minute. I want to double check this because they don't actually list. Hang on. What was he? What did he fail for? Okay, it was a SARM. The Selective Androgen Receptor Module. SARMs are apparently kind of a big deal in the world of anti-doping. I'm trying to read up on some of the terminology. So, uh, yeah. So, ES UFC on ESPN 2. Or 3. Sorry. 3? What's the other one? Oh, Barboza Gaethje will be 2. That'll be 3. So that got a few things moved around. A few things fleshed out. Um, UFC on ESPN plus 8 still does not have a main event. That's that's kind of a giant meh card at the moment. 237 still does not have a main event. I mean, 237's a solid card. You have the women's strawweight title fight. You have Jose Aldo and Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, God, Penn Guida's on that card. But still no official main event. Uh, ESPN Plus 9 is still very much be filling out. That's their debut in Rochester, right? I mean, they've been in New the city, the state of New York, but that's their first event in the city of Rochester. Yeah, we talked about Gustafson versus Smith already. Two thirty-eight. Uh, does not have a main event yet. You're scheduled to have Shevchenko versus I for the women's flyweight title. What a terrible fight that will be, because Jessica I is not very good. Um. Okay. Yeah, I think that's it for fight announcements. I don't think we've really announced anything for the Minneapolis card or 239. There's still some dates. There's actually nothing... Yeah, there's, there's still some dates open, so there's... I mean, we'll do another batch of fight announcements in the near future. Let me refresh Twitter one more time. See if anything crazy's happened. Because. <laughs> That's kind of how this works. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think any major news is broken during the recording of this, so I think that's going to be it for me. All right. Well, thank you all very much for listening. I don't have a whole lot to plug this week. Uh, I don't think there's a Damn You Hollywood. In fact, I there better not be, because I have something else scheduled for that Tuesday. Um, last Tuesday, Mark Radulich, myself, Alexis Haina, and David Wright got together to review Captain Marvel, so if you're curious about that, you can find it in the archives of the Radulich and Broadcasting Network. Uh, the movie was a giant pile of meh for me. Just, it exists. It's not actively bad. It's not great. It's just kind of there. Uh, so we have this week off. Next week will be our review of Shazam. So, hope you all tune in for that. Uh, Mark and I, I believe, were supposed to record something on Thursday, but that fell through. I don't even remember what we were supposed to record, in all honesty. 
So that might have been our that might have been our one punch man review, but again, scheduling conflicts, it happens. Uh, so on behalf of Jeff, I'll just any uh, I believe he's got a you can check out his review of Captain Marvel, as well as now uh, he he's been doing some work recently. He was at uh, there's a I don't remember if it was a convention or what, but there was uh, there's a couple of things that he's been attending and writing stuff up for over the last week. So be on the lookout for you know whatever Jeff's uh, got coming out this last week in terms of potential interviews or product reviews. And we'll be back next week. Uh, yeah, that's everything. So until then, thank you all very much for listening. You can find me on Saturday for UFC on ESPN Plus 6. And back here next Sunday to talk about the same and preview UFC on ESPN 2. Barboza versus Gagey. Oh, yes. So much yes. Gah. That fight's going to be so violent. Oh, I can't wait. I just can't wait for that fight. <laughs> we'll preview it next week. Uh, so be back for that. Until then, thanks again for listening. Stay safe out there. Oh, uh, for those of you who are professional wrestling fans, I almost forgot. Uh, Larry Zonka's back to podcasting over the last couple of weeks. So you can find that on the 411 Mania podcasting network. So if you're interested in that, Larry's stuff is always good. We're very glad to have him back. I know the Impact Wrestling fans are glad to have him back because they don't have to deal with me anymore on Fridays. So, I can give that a, give that a listen if you're into professional wrestling, and I know that 411 has a large audience of fans that are, people that are fans of that genre, so check out Larry's stuff. Uh, the man watches an unhealthy amount of professional wrestling and has a very, very solid understanding of it, and is a pillar of the internet wrestling community, so... Uh, please check out his stuff. Until then, again, stay safe out there. Thanks for listening, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.